0: Good morning, greetings in Jesus' name. There's many blessings of being part of the Church of Jesus Christ. There's spiritual blessings. There's a spiritual blessing of knowing Him, of knowing that we can have our sins forgiven, looking forwards to eternity. But you know that's that's kind of looking in the distance. But as we live this life, there are blessings of the church that we enjoy here in this life today. Blessings that we should not overlook or take for granted. I'm not, I'm as well ask some questions and I'm not asking for a show of hands here, but I want you to think, how many of you have experienced some type of a physical need and had that need met of brothers and sisters within the church? How many of you have had some some problem and had the church rally around you, maybe sharing finances so that your need could be met? We see it when there's a natural disaster. Somebody has a a house fire. And people come together and they supply what's needed. Uh, Maybe they help rebuild. Maybe it's illness. Maybe you faced illness or a member of your family has, and the church has come to come and, and supported you, has brought food when mother was ill and couldn't prepare food for the family, or maybe it was that huge medical bill that there was no way on your income that you were going to pay it in the next 20 or 30 years, and the church rallied around and supported you and supplied for that need. Those are tremendous physical blessings that we have from being part of, of the Church of Jesus Christ. And you know when we when we face those things or we see someone else face them and see the church rally and support it gives us a tremendous sense of assurance that if I ever face that, my needs will be met because I'm a part of a loving brotherhood that supports one another. Those things are physical in nature. They help us to make it through the physical difficulties of life. But there's another aspect, and that's the spiritual aspect. How many of us have had a time in our life that we have struggled spiritually and we've had a brother or sister come and support us. Maybe a word of encouragement. Maybe prayer. Maybe it was just a pat on the back and I I know you're struggling. I want you to know I care. I'm praying for you. You're on my mind. That can be tremendously encouraging when you're going through Some type of a spiritual or mental struggle. Maybe you've had somebody come to you and say, brother or sister, there's something in your life that I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that this is a spiritual drag in your life. That it's going to lead you in a wrong path. That's a spiritual blessing. We don't always feel like it's a blessing when it happens. Uh, those, those things can, you know, our, our, our old nature wants to, to rear its head and you know, that's none of your business. But it's a tremendous blessing because we have brothers and sisters that are willing to come to us and, and tell us where we may have faults that we're blind to. They help us to navigate the spiritual pitfalls in the world that we live in. They help us to be victorious in our Christian life. They're not the physical blessings of this life, but they're spiritual blessings that help to prepare us for the next life and to keep us on that straight and narrow path. There's a word that we use to describe what I'm talking about this morning. Does anybody want to guess what that is? Nobody's brave enough. The word is brotherhood. Brotherhood. It's a word we use. We talk about brotherhood. I want to consider brotherhood this morning. And I want us to consider that there's things that we can do to build brotherhood and there's things that we can do to tear it down as well. And I think that we would all agree that the blessing of brotherhood is an enormous blessing that we probably don't comprehend fully. And it's a blessing that the majority of the world today does not have and they don't understand what they're missing. It's a blessing that we often take for granted. And that's why I think it's important for us to consider it. Because like I said, there's things we can do to build it up and enhance brotherhood. We can also do things that diminish brotherhood and tear it down. So what is brotherhood? Dictionary definition says the quality or state of being brothers, fellowship, alliance, and association as a labor union or monastic society for, for a particular purpose. The whole body of persons engaged in a business or profession. So in that definition, you have the idea of a a group of people that has a common goal. They're working together for a common purpose and for a common good. So we're united in our purpose of serving the Lord and honoring Him and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. So that makes us a brotherhood. We have a common purpose and a common goal. I wanna keep, try to keep this message mostly on the positive side as to what we can do to enhance and build up brotherhood. But for most of these things, if I'm talking about what we can do to enhance and build up brotherhood, you just reverse it if you wanna tear it down. And we'll talk a little bit about some negatives. So what's the basis for brotherhood? So uh, I gave that definition. It's, it's We need to have a common goal. But Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So is love the basis for brotherhood? Jesus said that our love for one another is going to be a distinguishing mark that will identify us to the world as they look on. So is love our main goal? If it is, if we want to build brotherhood, all we have to do is work really diligently at loving each other, and brotherhood is going to blossom. But I'm afraid that it doesn't work that way. Rather, we need to realize that 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 true love, that self-sacrificial love that Jesus was talking about that would be a a distinguishing mark of His people, that that is rather an outworking of brotherhood. Also, I'm afraid that if we simply focus on love for one another as, as the foundation of our brotherhood, we're likely going to end up with something other than love. And that is called tolerance. Did you know that it's easier to tolerate other people than it is to truly love them in a sacrificial way? And so if we make love as our benchmark for building brotherhood, we're probably going to end up, in a very kind, tolerant setting, we're not really going to have that distinguishing, self-sacrificing love that Jesus talked about. See, true love is willing to address the difficult issues of life. True love causes me, if I see an issue in someone's life, that is leading them astray, true love causes me to have a desire to go to that person and say, brother, I'd like to talk to you about this area of your life. I'm afraid that you're you're going on the wrong path. But if my focus is just simply getting along on the surface, I'm just going to tolerate what that brother's doing rather than addressing it in true love so yes brotherhood includes love for one another but it needs to be first and foremost about serving the lord about following him our love is based on our common desire to serve the lord to be like him and furthering his kingdom So brotherhood is not about love, even though love is a part of it. Brotherhood is about a common goal of serving the Lord. I also want to consider something that brotherhood is not. Brotherhood is not about me. You all can all say that. Brotherhood is not about me or you. It's about us. We as individuals experience many blessings of being a part of the brotherhood. But we have to realize that the brotherhood is not about me as an individual. but rather, it's about me giving, giving up myself for the good of the whole, for the good of the body, when we want to stand for what. I want, individually, for my rights, for my opinions, we're likely, and I say likely because sometimes there's a place to stand for what is truth when others are going a different direction, but when we stand for our own opinions and our own rights, we are likely tearing down the brotherhood rather than building it up. But likewise, if we are rather surrender, willing to surrender our will, surrender our opinion for the good of others we're building, Brotherhood. We'll talk about that more. I invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read several passages this morning. <coughs> this, this subject has been on my mind for a number of weeks. And I feel like it's a subject we're in need of. And I feel like that I'm but scratching the surface this morning. And so we're going to read some of these passages. I'm going to make some comments, and so much more could be said. We'll leave that for another time. Philippians 2, I'd like to read verses 1 through 8. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that if they have experienced a blessing from being with, united with Christ, from being a part of His body, part of the brotherhood, we could say, that there's some things that they should do. Notice that He calls them to oneness. They're to be like-minded. They're to have the same love. They're to be of one accord they're to be of one mind. Is that speaking of individuality? Is that speaking of doing it my way? No, that's speaking of unity. In verse 3, he admonishes that we should do nothing out of strife or vainglory. Another translation says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Selfish ambition, that's that's me trying to get what I want. Vain conceit. Uh, conceit is when we think more highly of ourselves than what we should think. So those, those are things, you know, selfish ambition and vain conceit are things that will tear down brotherhood rather than build. You know, we all like things to be done our way. We all think that we have a unique point of view and a correct way of understanding the situations that we face. It's human nature, we, we just are that way. But Paul is saying that in the church, we need to lay down those personal ambitions and desires. We need to learn to be willing to submit to the body, to the brotherhood, even if it means doing it a different way than what I would desire. That's difficult. But it's what we're called to if we want to build brotherhood. In verse 4, he says that we should look not on our own things but on the things of others and i believe this is speaking that we need to have and i think this is speaking of spiritual maybe as well as physical we need to have the good of our brothers and sisters in mind and on our hearts we shouldn't just be looking out for number one we should be looking out for everyone A word of encouragement. A word of of remembering each other in prayer. Meeting those physical needs when we know of them. Look not on, on our own things, but on the things of others. A high level of concern for the rest of the body. That's how brotherhood works. I'm fairly convinced that if we in the church give ourselves wholly and completely to the brotherhood, that God has designed it in a way that we will be cared for better than what we can care for ourselves on our own. Maybe not all the time in all areas, but I'm I'm speaking about Throughout all of life, I believe that as we rely on one another and everyone gives themselves to the care of the rest of the body of Christ, that we will find our needs met in a very sufficient way. Verse 5-8 through eight here sets Christ as our example says that he willingly made himself of no reputation. He gave up his glory. And he suffered for us to lift us up, to reconcile us to God. That's our example of brotherhood, of obedience. Jesus was obedient to the Father. And Jesus was willing to humble himself If Jesus wasn't willing to obey the Father and to to humble Himself, we would have never had a Redeemer. And He's calling us to that example within the church. To be willing to stoop and to serve in humility. If we want to build brotherhood, we must have the mind of Christ. We must have the willingness to let go of our own reputation and to sacrifice our rights for the good of the brotherhood. There's another passage that I want to read this morning 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Starting at verse 12, this is a little more lengthy, and I'm not going to comment on it a lot. It is a familiar passage. But as we look at this subject, I felt like that I had to read it. It, uh, It's the inspired Scripture speaking directly of this thing of of working together as a brotherhood. 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit, are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit? For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, "Because I am not the hand, I am not of, not of the body," it is therefore not of the. Bo- is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, "Because I am not, the eye, I am not of the body," is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing. Where were the smelling? But now God hath set the members, every one of them in the body, as as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, but yet one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you're the body of Christ and members in particular. So here he paints a picture, a mental picture, of the body of Christ being like our physical bodies. He points out that every member of our physical body has a purpose. No matter how insignificant, or significant, those parts seem, God has put them in our bodies for a purpose. And they're designed to work together, smoothly. And he points out that one body part can't distance itself from the rest of the body. They're all dependent upon one another. They all work together. They work together for the common good. If one of the members of our body ceases to work correctly with others, what do we do? We seek medical attention quickly. You know, if 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 my hand all of a sudden started doing things that I wasn't telling it to do, I would get alarmed fairly quickly. But you know, I was thinking about that. And, you know, I think that happens in the church sometimes. And we just say, well, that's individuality. Are we alarmed if we have a, a, a member in the body of Christ that starts going a different way? We should be. If we're going to build brotherhood, we need to work together to do our part in the church. No matter how small or how large that role might seem, I know of people that aren't that gifted of people when it comes to certain, you know, speaking on the floor or leading songs or whatever. And those people sometimes can feel like that they don't, they're just, they're not worth much in the church. But according to the analogy that God has given us here, Every member has a part to play, and it's important. We have parts in our body that are small and insignificant, but yet they play a very important role. So let's not diminish any role in the church. Even the person that does nothing but diligently pray, they're playing an important role. Jesus told the parable of the talents. And in that parable, he made it clear that it wasn't important what each of those men was given, but what was important is what each of those men did with what they were given. So whether you've been given much in the church or little, you have an important role to play. And Christ is calling us all to do our part with what we have been given. If we're going to build brotherhood, we all have to be faithful at doing what God has called us to do in His kingdom. I've already talked some about unity, and I'd like to consider that a little further. Because Jesus said some unique things about unity. it was it's his plan and his desire for the church to be unified in fact in John 17 you can turn there if you'd like Jesus said that our unity would be a sign to the world that he was the promised Messiah John 17:20 20 through 23 Neither pray I for these alone, but but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. And that was speaking of, of the church future. He wasn't just praying for his disciples. He was praying for all who would believe in his name in the future. That they may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and, that, that, and hast loved them as thou lovest me. Do you notice there two times Jesus said, he wanted us to be one. He wanted us to be unified so that the world, in verse, in verse 21, he says that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And in verse 23, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and that thou hast loved them as thou lovest me. To so see earlier, there in John 13, Jesus was referring to our love for one another as being a distinguishing mark. But here he's saying that our unity is what will declare to the world that I have been sent from God as the Messiah. Sometimes I wonder how much disunity within the church has hurt the spread of the gospel message. How much disunity has hampered outreach work. And when I talk about disunity, I'm not talking about open conflict within the church where there's disagreements and and arguments. But I'm talking about a lack of unity in practice in belief. I know of a church that seems, at least from what I have observed of them, to be reaching people in their community extremely well. Uh, it's going going by the standards of what I've observed in our in our conservative circles, it's almost, you could say, shocking at how effectively they have reached the community that they're in. But recently, sometime, well, I'm not sure, sometime in the last number of months, I was pondering that and it dawned on me. And and I I can't promise 100%, but from me looking on, that church seems very unified. And I believe that that is part of the reason that they have been able to reach out effectively. And I'm not talking about unity and a unity of a desire to reach out to the the community around us. But I'm talking about a unity in belief and practice in our daily lives, in our level of commitment to the Lord. If if we all, some of us are committed here to this level and some are committed to this level and others kind of in between, and that doesn't give a unified front. That does not tell the world that Christ has made an enormous difference in all of our lives. There's, there's a, I believe that there's a power in unity. If there wasn't, Jesus wouldn't have said, that it would be the distinguishing factor that would impress the world that he was the Messiah. I believe that unity helps us to demonstrate Jesus to the lost world around us. It demonstrates that Jesus is reigning and not self. It demonstrates that Jesus is controlling our hearts and our lives rather than our own selfish will and desires. Paul also addressed this in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. He said, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and there there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment, The idea here that I see is that the church putting forth a common front, that we speak the same things. Another translation says, but I appeal to you brothers by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to agree in what you profess. And I think that's taking it a little further. It's not just what's coming out of our mouths, but it is an agreement in our practice. And then going on in that translation, and not to allow divisions to exist among you, but to be united of one mind and of one opinion. Again, I believe that there's power in unity as we present the gospel message. But all of that takes a lot of humility, a lot of dying to self and submitting to one another. There's a number of verses I want to read that point out the need to to submit, to die to self. Romans 12.3 says this, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. We need to have a proper view of ourselves within the brotherhood. We want to promote our way. We want to promote things being done as we want them, but we need to surrender. We need to submit if we're going to build brotherhood. 1 Peter 5 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Again, we need to be in submission, particularly, it says here, to the elders, to those who are older, those who have more life experience, have been there and done that, as we say. But also... It says that not just to submit to the elders, but to be subject one to another. Again, a reminder that brotherhood is not about me, it needs to be off of me and on the good of the brotherhood. We need to foster accountability with our brothers and sisters in the church. We need to welcome the input of others. I was blessed with these testimonies we heard this morning. We heard at least twice, maybe three times, I forget, that feel free to come to me if you see, if and when you see something in my life that needs addressed. That's building brotherhood. If we say that and we mean it, that's building brotherhood. How do you feel? When someone comes to you and expresses a concern or if they just simply come and say, how are you doing spiritually? You know, we rarely do that. Does it make you uncomfortable or do you welcome it? Because as we welcome that and as we practice that, we're building brotherhood because it's about bringing everyone along. It's not about me. It's about bringing everyone together and keeping everyone together. We need to be willing to share in those those times. We need to be willing to share that while I'm facing some struggles, our tendency is to get "Eh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. When really we've been struggling with something. The more open we are in those situations, the more we're going to build brotherhood. Hebrews 13.17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable to you. Obey. Again, it's speaking of of submission. We have an authority structure within the church. And I hesitate to call it that. uh, Because we aren't a... uh, we try to operate as a brotherhood, not as a hierarchy, but there's still there's an authority structure. There's those in leadership that are called to a certain responsibility, and it's for those of us in, in leadership, it's our responsibility to look out for the spiritual well-being of the brotherhood that we may give account for each of you with joy, not with grief. And so as members of the brotherhood, it's our responsibility to, to welcome that leadership and to submit, to obey, if we want to build brotherhood. Because true brotherhood isn't about me. It's about being brought along and encouraged and built up together, unified So much more could be said about the subject. What we can do to build it. The blessings of it. We don't have time this morning. But I feel pretty confident that we probably about all have talked before about the blessing of brotherhood. And we have talked with pity about the people out in the world that don't have the blessing of brotherhood that we have. But if we aren't willing to do the things that it takes to build brotherhood, we're likely going to lose it or at least weaken it. And Like I said, I've been pondering this subject for a number of weeks. And I believe that we are seeing a shift within our churches towards a more individualistic attitude and less of an attitude of submission to brotherhood. That individualistic attitude is rampant in the world around us. And it rubs off on us and it has an effect. And if we don't guard against it, it's going to undermine what is so precious to us. We may be able to act individualistically and get by at least for a while, but I can about guarantee you that our brotherhood will weaken and instead of being founded on a common goal based on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's going to become based on on the tolerance that I spoke of earlier. And it might look like love, but it's going to be based on tolerance. And it'll slowly erode. we have something that's precious. And we need to take whatever drastic measures we need to to hold on and to build what we have. I also believe that individuality within the church, rather than submission to the brotherhood, is going to weaken our testimony. And it's going to hinder our ability to spread the gospel and to bring the lost into the church. And I want to challenge every one of us this morning to examine our lives, to examine our attitudes. I ask, are you, am I, committed to and surrendered to the brotherhood? Or are are our attitudes, excuse me, Or are we allowing individualism to creep in in our attitudes and to weaken our brotherhood and to weaken our witness? The degree to which we're willing to surrender ourselves and our will to the lordship of Christ, to the leadership of the church, and to one another within the church is going to affect. The level of blessing that we experience from brotherhood and impact our witness. I forget his name now, but the Stoltzfus man that uh, probably a lot of y'all heard his testimony of the captives there in, uh, hostages there in Haiti. He and at least one of the others that I heard speak spoke about the power of unity That they experienced it. But to experience unity, we have to give up of self. And I challenge you to consider that. And to consider that true brotherhood is going to, and the true blessings of brotherhood, and the true witness of brotherhood is going to come as we submit ourselves. And we surrender ourselves to the church, to the body of Christ, and build brotherhood. In true brotherhood, all need to be fully committed. What's your level of commitment today? God bless you.